Welcome to the Welfare Culture Podcast, where we talk about all things Indigenous wellness. Welcome back to the Welfare Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chelsea. And today we're bringing you a very exciting episode. It's all about healthy relationships. And last week I had put out a call on Instagram asking you guys, what do you want to hear us talk about in our podcast? And it seemed like far and away the most popular answer was that you all wanted to hear about healthy relationships. So we're going to talk about it. Hey, Skooksy Arda. Good morning, everyone. This is Thosh. And like Chelsea said, we're excited to talk about healthy relationships today. So healthy relationships are like the foundation. They're part of the foundational movements to revitalize our culture, to reclaim our health and our wellness. And this is why it's it's a part of one of the circles of wellness. This is why it's a part of kinship, clanship, and community. Because again, strong indigenous communities are ran in a political sense, a cultural, spiritual sense by by families, by well-functioning whole families. And those families are made up of healthy relationships, healthy relationships within the immediate family, healthy relationships in regards to family to family in the community that make up well-functioning community that can come together during times of need or times of adversity. And those healthy relationships are made up of of well individuals, strong, spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally well individuals. So again, healthy relationships are really like the foundation of, of healing our communities from historical trauma, preserving, revitalizing, evolving our cultural practices. So this is why this is a very crucial component of our indigeneity. So for those of you who don't know who are listening out there, Thosh and I are in a relationship um, we've been together for what, like four years or something like that. Four years. I don't. I don't even really keep super close track. But um, eh. <laughs> but I'm really happy to say that you know we're in a healthy and a good relationship. And um, you know, I have personally been through uh, one or two super unhealthy, terrible relationships. Uh, thankfully far enough in my past now where I <laughs> have all but forgotten about it. But, you know, really having a healthy relationship is not something that I take for granted. It's something that we actively put work into all the time. Not the kind of work that makes our lives miserable, but, you know, we just we put effort in. We, I think when you love a person, you should be putting effort in and not taking taking it for granted. Um, one of the issues that I've seen in seems like mainstream American culture that even many of us in indigenous communities have adapted is this whole concept of just like, oh, once you're together and once you're married and, you know, have that established, then you can kind of start um, treating each other like crap. Like you can come home and ignore the person or Um, you know, stop telling them that you care for them or stop putting effort in. And that's kind of um, one of the first steps in how relationships start to go down the tubes. But anyway, we'll get a lot more into all of that. But I just wanted to say that, um, yes, we do feel we are in this place where we have the confidence and the ability to talk about a healthy relationship because we have one. Um, But also to say that, uh, you know, 
we have really a lot of sympathy and a lot of empathy for those who are going through unhealthy relationships. And we're particularly concerned about the teenagers and the youth and, you know, the 20 something crowd um, who do have a lot of questions about this. And we also have much to learn from our elders and uh, the older generations in our communities who have gone through even, you know, many, many years of, of a, of a long lasting marriage and a healthy relationship. We can't speak all the way from that perspective, but we do recognize and we respect it and we hope to get there one day. Yeah. And like, like I said, that this is a growing movement across native country to strengthen our relationships, to heal our relationships and to set the standard higher and to restore a lot of our teachings that go into healthy relations. And you talked about like in dominant culture, how things progress once people are married, it kind of becomes socially acceptable for them to you know, treat each other in certain ways. And we see that influence of dominant culture in our communities and our people. And like everything that we talk about with healing and wellness, a lot of the solutions are within our indigenous practices. Um, all of our relationships, through our clan systems, our teachings that are associated between between mom and dad, or between father and son, or father and daughter, or mother and son, mother and daughter. These are all. There's all very sacred. Um, these are sacred things. These are, are are things that are very very important. And a lot of our original practices have we have teachings that go around that. But as we know, these things have become in disarray as a result of us in the process of healing from colonialism. So once again, the the emergence of unhealthy relationships are a result, a direct result of historical trauma. And so this is sort of understanding these things from a historical context is really important to be able to understand why are people the way they are today? How do we become in un these unhealthy relationships? So also, too, when we're talking about our relationships, we're not talking about just to relate to relationships of intimacy. We're talking about relationships with, you know, a family, friends, people in the community. We're going to focus more on intimate relationships. And we want to talk in, in that aspect because um, we feel that this is a very, very big one and important. And like Chelsea said, we're particularly concerned about the young people, the youth that we uh uh, come in contact with when we travel around native country, the young 20-somethings that we also uh, meet throughout native country and in our own communities and our, amongst our circles and our families and friends. And that's kind of our concern too. So that's what we want to kind of focus on. So to elaborate a little bit on that historical perspective that Bosch was talking about, um, it's true from what we've heard in our oral tradition and in our history books, we've learned that um, healthy relationships were often the norm in indigenous societies in pre-colonial times. Uh, you didn't hear stories of abuse or of domestic violence. Um, if people were engaging in that sort of thing, they would often be ostracized from the community. It just wasn't something that was acceptable at all. We often had matriarchal societies in which women were in power and um, and in which men really respected the power of women and our two-spirited people were um, respected and recognized and everybody had a role in a place. Um, the other thing is that uh, corporal punishment of children was never something that was normal in native communities. We didn't spank or hit or um, 
even yell uh, violently at our children. Um, but today, uh, a few things have happened. One of those is the dissolution of our societal structures and our clan systems that kept everything in place and that um, and that taught us how to act. Uh, when uh, th through the colonial processes, those uh, have sort of gone to the wayside. Um, certain places still hold them strong, but many uh, many communities those have dissolved. And so in their place, uh, Western patriarchy has come in. And uh, the other thing that has happened uh, really aggressively in our communities is that through the boarding school and the residential school era, uh, our people have learned violent behaviors from uh, those systems which used corporal punishments uh, to punish the children. So when many of our grandparents' age and our parents' age generation were growing up in these boarding schools, they were often punished very violently um, for any little thing. And so they learned to pass that behavior on to their own children and in their own homes and in their relationships. So that is why we have this situation where today bad and unhealthy relationships are common in indigenous communities. See, these are historical factors that have taken place not, you know, hundreds of years ago, but we're talking about our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation. So these are very much, um, you know, recent uh, historical issues that have taken place that are, of course, continuing to impact our communities. Um, so uh, with that, though, again, like Dash said, our cultural teachings are the strongest uh, parts of ourselves that uh, we maintain that we can utilize to emerge from this system in which bad relationships are the norm. Um, and our wellness is, honestly, our wellness is the answer. Getting back to this place where we prioritize total health and wellness uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And where we begin to love ourselves again, this is the thing that's going to get us out of uh, the bad relationships epidemic. So the other thing that I am really fascinated by and curious by is the way that a, either a bad or a good relationship can literally impact your health and your wellness. So I was wondering, Thosh, if you know anything about like how a bad relationship can even lead to um, certain harmful things that will hurt your health. Yeah, I mean, uh, unhealthy relationships have profound impacts on our, our spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And even the science is kind of catching up and discovering that, that being in a state of anger, uh, depression, anxiety, sadness, uh, jealousy, and always being overcome by feelings of, of resentment, these negatively impact your things like blood pressure, our immune system, our immune response. Stress is a big killer of, of, of neurons. And stress also can have profound impacts on the, the hormones. So the sex hormones that both men and women need to maintain a good and, and healthy, well-balanced life. So th there's there's a lot of impact on it. Uh, not to mention if the abuse had happened in an unhealthy relationship was so severe that it caused post-traumatic stress disorder. These have very negative physiological 
implications for the people and especially in young children and developing children these have long lasting life impacts because those are developmental stages a sacred time for that child and so unhealthy relationships that foster constant anger um sadness feelings of resentment anxiety being in a fight or flight state is just really has these negative consequences on our overall well-being and i see that a lot traveling around native country and and and, and outside of native country i see people just overcome and and engulfed by these 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 feelings because of the unhealthy relationship that they're stuck in and so absolutely it has profound impacts yeah i that's something that i've just been learning about recently and i find it just fascinating just the the extent to which these negative relationships can impact our total health and really lead to some serious um, concerns, of course, outside of even just the day-to-day of, of, of the hardships of living through a relationship like that. And I think even in a logistical sense, it really impacts people. I've seen situations where um, because of a bad relationship, a certain person will leave school or they will not go for a career that they would have gone for or they will dissolve their own friendships or um, relationships with good family members. Uh, one of the key traits of a bad relationship is that your partner would uh, be so jealous or um, controlling that they sort of try to cut out the people in your life who empower you. And they sort of try to pull you away from those situations in which you are really thriving as an individual. So that's a telltale sign of a bad relationship. So not just impacting your total physical health again, but also in a logistical sense, like really having a negative negative impact on your ability to live your life to your full potential. So watch for those signs. Absolutely. It has, again, it has very negative outcomes for one's feelings of empowerment, confidence, uh, leadership. All of these things are very crucial to conducting your everyday your everyday life duties and executing them in a good way and being able to put your best forward, whether it be in school, whether it be at your job or in your personal life, taking care of children. Maybe you're a caretaker of another loved one, like a grandparent or a, or a parent or another type of family member. So before we get into and break down what is a healthy relationship, what is an unhealthy relationship, we want to talk about the foundation of a healthy relationship is a well person, a person who has been on their wellness journey and a person who is consciously and objectively going into the future with healing on their mind, healing from maybe their previous unhealthy relationships, healing from any kind of trauma that they have experienced in their life. And that's where it starts. It starts with us. And I always say that healing and wellness starts with us. It starts with our mind. It starts with our heart. That was, those are the sacred areas that make up us as a human being. And there's a circle around you. If you extend your arms out, You can probably try that right now, unless you're driving. You can extend your arms out. And if you kind of turn and you twist yourself in a circle, you make like this circumference around you. That's a sacred circle. It is said that within that space, there is like your sacred space, your safe space. We put people within that circle, our loved ones, people we trust, people we love. We put them in that circle there. And so those are the people that we have relationships with in there. And beyond that, there's a second circle. And that's other people outside that are looked at as maybe acquaintances or people in the community that you're not necessarily close with, but you see them out there. 
And then beyond that circle is a third layer where it's all people, all human beings, all animal beings and plant beings and everyone outside of that. So I bring that up because our healing and wellness starts within that. It affects everybody on in those circles. So, to, so before we get into relationships, we have to start with ourselves. I think that I was a person growing up who really idealized uh, being <laughs> what we call a serial monogamist, you know, going from relationship to really I had a serious boyfriend in high school then I go in to get a serious boyfriend in college and you know I just always wanted to be this committed person and didn't recognize um that I wasn't being treated how I deserved to be treated I just thought that it was made you a good person to just like stick it out and be there for your boyfriend you know when you're that young and uh I'm so glad that eventually I realized that I needed time on my own to really establish my personal wellness, my personal career, and my personal education goals. And the interesting thing is that after I took the time to do that and just have um, some space by myself, living alone, all that stuff um, is when I was, is when my wellness journey really took off. I really started to thrive as an individual. And when I was not looking and least expected, you know, Thosh and I decided to get into a relationship together. And I think that I just want to emphasize that because um, it really does start with the self. You have to learn to be, you have to learn to enjoy being alone, to feel empowered in your independence and to view another person coming into your space as something that's only going to contribute to what you're already doing in your personal goals, as opposed to like viewing a relationship as something where you give your whole self to it. It's really more about sharing and coming together and building on what each other already has and in maintaining each other's independence as well. Yes, absolutely. The the phase of really working on myself and spending time alone was 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 just was crucial. That was pinnacle to my healing and wellness. And you might remember you might remember back to the some of the the, the second episode we talked about our personal wellness stories and I talked about coming out of a relationship and it was a relationship where we mutually had split. We seen that it was profoundly impacting us in a negative way. And I knew that for me to overcome and to, to heal myself and to overcome the relationship, I needed to be a sober mind, a sober spirit. And like Chelsea said, it, it was a lonely journey. You put your up your sacred circle around you and you have very limited people in that. And you abstain from having any kind of relations from from, from intimacy, um, all of that, because when you when you're intimate people, you're giving energy, you're exchanging energy. And but when you're in a healing phase, when you're hurt, you need all that energy you can get to heal your heart, to heal your mind and to change the outcomes in your behavior and your circle and your network and everything else in your life. So it's a lonely journey and it's one that you start to really, truly learn about yourself. You become faced with all of the the things in your life that were causing you to be in, to act negatively in your relationship. And especially when you are not using substances and alcohol, you are faced to 
you will have to face those real feelings. Those emotions are coming to surface and you have to deal with them. You have to learn to deal with them. That's a job in itself. We exercise, we meditate, we eat well, we surround ourselves with positive people. That gets us on that track there. And that's that's what I had to do. I had to do that and I had to abstain from, from wanting to be back into a relationship. And I had to learn to, to have healthy women where I had a healthy friendship with. And it was a, not a friendship to be abused or having some kind of hidden agenda. I had to learn to be all of that and to, and to, and to learn to, essentially to respect women all over again in another sense. And throughout my, my time when I was healing myself, I was constantly visualizing what a healthy relationship is for me. I was constantly visualizing the woman that I wanted to be with. And I would, I would put it out there, the characteristics, the outlook, all of that. That's what I wanted. But I also knew that in order for me to attract that, I had to, I had to be well. And I had to go in the world and act accordingly to attract that. Because at the state I was when I got out of my relationship, I didn't have my own place. I was broke. I lost my vehicle because I invested all of that in relationship and mismanaged myself. And I thought, I thought to myself, and I told Chelsea this not too long ago, I can't be in a relationship because I know that right now, if I jump into another relationship, I'm going to attract someone else who is in the same state as me because that law of attraction, we, we get back what we put out there. And I thought to myself, I don't, I would not want to be in a relationship with a person like me right now. <laughs> and I had to live with that. And you have to really, you have to really suck it up and put your ego aside and swallow that, that, that tough pill and be like, okay. All right, I need to heal then. I need to do the work. I need to pull it together because I want to be in a healthy relationship one day. I want to be in a relationship with somebody who has this and this and this kind of traits and quality. Those are things that I had to learn to heal from. And I had to spend, you know, four or five years by myself just really thinking about that, learning to live with myself sober. And and then, like Chelsea said, I I became friends with Chelsea and we were we were friends for quite a number of years before we became into a relationship. We were friends. And we started Welfare Culture together. We did a little bit of work together. And then we decided later on that we both were were ready to be in a relationship again. And we happened to choose each other. And so the, the phase of building yourself up and making yourself strong and whole is very, very important. It should not be overlooked when it comes to trying to get into a relationship. And continuing a little bit on our personal story of our relationship, too, is you know, I'm always grateful that Thosh and I did not jump into a relationship together right away. And that's not what set the basis for our friendship or for our working relationship. Uh, we really did come into getting to know each other with totally innocent intentions and, you know, really took our time in even when we <laughs> sort of realize that we kind of like each other a little bit. We had that conversation of like, we didn't want to jump into it because we wanted to make sure that we were doing the best thing for our friendship and that we were doing the best thing for welfare culture. So we continued to live on our own for a while and just kind of see each other long distance and feel it out um, for quite a while before we decided to move in together and get serious. So, so that would be my next tip is to really take your time getting serious with something. And I know that when you love somebody or when you 
start to get excited about somebody, it can be hard to sort of like put the brakes on it. And, you know, we have this idealized idea of like love at first sight. But what I've realized that's even cooler is, you know, Dosh and I had like friendship at first sight. We had a great time hanging out. You know, we could laugh together and and continue to talk and and all that stuff. But um, I think it it brought another level of respect that we have for each other that we were not intimate or looking at each other that way for several years. And so I just encourage people to, if you think you like somebody, see how long you can be friends with that person first. So we're going to list a few principles of what is a healthy relationship so that you can recognize that. And so um, this goes for everybody, whether you're young or old, no matter your age, no matter your sexual orientation, or uh, again, this could be a friendship. This could be a co-working relationship. Um, Mostly we're kind of looking at um, intimate or romantic relationships, but it also applies to other types as well. Right. So the one good characteristic and quality of a, of, of a person within the context of a healthy relationship is someone who is is able to understand that the trauma behaviors that you or them may have inherited come from possibly parents also or, 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 or the previous generations or is a result of trauma that that person had experienced as a child. And so when you understand, when you're trauma informed, you understand a lot of, of the behaviors and you are objectively healing from them or you are recognizing them in other people and you are, are keeping your distance and not getting close because you see that that person needs to heal. The next trait is that you would be a person who doesn't look to a partner to fix their problems. So remember, <laughs> let's not mistake, uh, you know, seeking a a parent figure for seeking a romantic relationship. You can't look to a partner to fix uh, something that you've gotten yourself into. You have to maintain the integrity of wanting to um, solve your own problems or um, take care of yourself in a responsible way. And from there, you can have the responsibility of engaging in a relationship and children. Yeah, that also goes for the opposite. There's people who look to get into relationships with other people because they think they can fix them. That's a big one. We see I see that a lot. And, you know, people are attracted to the trauma of other people and they want to become in this intimate relationship and think they can fix them. They think they can heal them. But you can't. You can't do that by becoming in a relationship where it becomes a huge conflict of interest. You help that person from a distance and you don't become intimately involved with that person. Another great one is setting boundaries. So a healthy person in a healthy relationship sets boundaries. Boundaries are important because they protect you and your wellness. And it also in turn protects the other person uh, outside. It protects the person that you have some sort of relationship with because sometimes the best thing for us Sometimes the best thing for people that are unwell that we are in relation to or have some sort of relationship to is to be at distance and not to enable them and not to interact and not to involve yourself in a lot of their matters or to further entrench yourself in their issues. And so setting boundaries is, is crucial for that. So the next one is a big one I want to talk about, which is trust. 
a healthy relationship will always have a solid foundation of trust. And I think that we should just give some examples of um, how we go about that in our relationship so that people can visualize it. And of course, what's one of the biggest things um, that people deal with today is social media. And I want to give a really concrete example of when I was in a very controlling, unhealthy relationship in college. Um, I was in a bad relationship for about two years with somebody who was uh, several years older than me. And he definitely manipulated me into this um, really uh, unhealthy state where he demanded all of my social media passwords, all of my email passwords. Um, he had full access to using my computer, using my cell phone. Um, and then on the opposite end of that spectrum, I, of course, did not have any of that same access to his personal information. And, um, you know, looking back, it it almost makes me laugh thinking about how ridiculous and awful that is. But, um, you know, you just get manipulated into these situations where over time, you know, he was sort of able to convince me or make me feel like I needed him. And that was his manipulative tool is making me feel like, oh, if I didn't have him, I would fail in school and I would fail at life. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, he was making my life much more difficult. I just didn't realize it at the time. So anyway, trust is so important. It is never okay to be demanded to share that sort of personal information with your partner. And Thosh and I do not ever look at each other's phones. Uh, we do not ever check each other's email or social media accounts. Um, because we have trust and we don't waste our time on that stuff. Now, at the same time, um, we are also not like uh, sneaky about things. If, you know, we can leave our phones open on the table or, you know, watch a movie on each other's laptop or whatever without having to wonder, is this person doing something they shouldn't be doing? And uh, so... But I think even that, you know, we had to get to a comfortable point in our relationship where where we would even begin to say, hey, can I use your computer for something? It's just that it's kind of a matter of respect that you just eventually work yourself up to. So um, so just especially to the young people out there, if somebody is demanding that kind of information from you, that is not good. You shouldn't need um, to have your, each other's passwords. So in a positive note with trust, um, Thosh and I have a unique lifestyle in that we work together all the time, um, but we also recognize each other's space and boundaries and we find creative ways to spend time apart in a healthy way. And so one of the things that we do is like sometimes Thosh will take a work trip for us on our behalf. He's, you know, traveled to Australia and Hawaii without me um, and, you know, I would at that time go and stay at my mom's up in North Dakota and just have some time apart. We do that every so often. Um, and you went to Brazil, remember? That was cool. Yeah, that's right. I went to Brazil with my friends. Pre-Allo. Um, yeah, before Allo came. <laughs> and so we encourage each other to take trips alone from time to time. And when we are on those trips alone, 
it's just nice that we have this foundation of trust because we don't have to be constantly worried about what is the other person doing. And we just check in to a healthy extent. We check in to say, I miss you. I love you. You know, send a few pictures of what we're doing. And, you know, that's pretty much that. Or logistically, we'll say, oh, can you get that email? Or, you know, here's what baby's doing today. And, um, and that's that. So when you have trust, it's really nice because we can be apart for days or even weeks at a time. And it does not lead to a fight. It doesn't lead to an argument. It's just nice to have a little bit of space apart. And I can um, focus then on my relationships with my mom, my relationships with my sisters and my nieces and the other people who really mean a lot to me in my life who I need to have time for. Yes, trust is sacred. Trust is a privilege. And to build up and work up to having trust with that person is is a process. It's like Chelsea said, it's a process. It's it's years in the making. It starts in your previous relationships. It starts in your own healing and wellness journey. But trust within our relationship here is something that I cherish and value so much. Trust is mutual. It is something that you give and you receive. It's equal. It must happen both ways. It's energy. And to maintain that trust is is uh, is very very important and if you find yourself thinking that maybe you're veering off the track you have to remember that your consequences have actions that you have to remember that you have to remember that your actions have consequences anything we do in our world and physically energetically comes back to us and so this i think helps with a lot of people of keeping them within that trusted circle uh with their with their partner and I just want to share another story about what it's like when, because I know what it's like to be in a relationship where you're being controlled and where you're being told what to do and um, and shamed often and made to feel like you're you're never good enough and you're never loyal enough. Uh, I was so young when I was in this relationship, 19 or 20 years old. And the interesting thing about it is that the boyfriend at the time was so controlling that I couldn't go out when I wanted to. I couldn't talk to the friends I wanted to talk to. Um, everything had to go through him first. I had to have permission for everything. And I'm going to be honest with you. I felt so strangled. I felt so confined. That is the only relationship I've been in in my life where I was actually unloyal. I cheated on this person when I got the chance. And that's so not me. <laughs> it's just, it's funny to think about it now, but I, that's that is going to be the impact of being controlling and of not having any sort of trust. You're going to drive the person totally away. So it's going to be the opposite effect. So again, for the young people listening out there, get out of a relationship like that if you're in it, because you've already jumped off on the wrong foot. And honestly, um, if you are feeling like you need to control a person or have no trust in your relationship, then both of you have more personal healing and wellness to take care of before you can um, really enter a healthy relationship. So uh, that is what happens in a controlling setting is there is no trust. So another very important quality and trait of a person in a healthy relationship is you empower and, and uplift you never see your partner as someone to be competitive with or to be jealous of with. And so being able to have the confidence 
and have the energy and the power to be able to give a little bit and to help uplift your partner is so crucial. That's what a healthy relationship does. A healthy relationship, we grow well more as individuals because we are helping to uplift one another. And, and as a result, the relationship, the circle itself moves forward in a very powerful, and it's like an arrow. You're moving forward like an arrow and cutting through air. You're moving forward. You're strong. You're accurate. You're swift. You're efficient. That's what a healthy relationship is. The, they support one another. Yes. And some of the things that I love about our relationship is that Dash always gives me compliments. So literally do that. I mean, you know, he'll tell me every day, oh, you're so beautiful. I like your outfit. Um, this is a great picture of you. Um, just little things like that. Or, oh, you're such a good mama. You know, I, I could go on and on. It's sickening, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not sickening though. It doesn't get old. I love being complimented and who's going to do that for you on a daily basis, but your partner, but the person you're in a relationship with. So don't forget to do that, to compliment. And I hope that, you know, I, I, I try to give those same types of empowering comments to Thosh as well, because he's really good at it. Yeah. Every time in our work, Chelsea compliments me for like what I'm doing in our work or compliments me is the things I'm doing in, in, in the community and encourages me to, to stay involved and do things in the community to participate politically, culturally, you know, socially. And she compliments me. What's most, most uh, helpful for me is she compliments me as a father and tells me every day, how good of a father you are. You know, we just kind of say it in a loving way. Like we talked, we talk about it ourselves in third person or something like that <laughs> you know um when she says um mama loves dada while she's talking to aloe or something <laughs> like that or i'll say things like i'll be holding aloe and i'll be talking to her and i'll say dada's very grateful for you and he's very grateful for mama like <laughs> i just believe that speaking your feelings and speaking on these things strengthens us but a lot of people don't do this through words a lot of people show it through their actions too so there's different ways to express your love but Nevertheless, we should empower each other every day in any way we can empower each other in our endeavors that has to involve with advancing our career, advancing our education, um, encouraging each other to work out. And that's what we do, too. Oftentimes we have a schedule. I'll take Aloe and I'll occupy her for as long as I can because she's a breastfed baby still <laughs> until she needs her mama. But I'll, I'll occupy her. I'll take her to the park. I'll play with her here in the office while Chelsea gets her workout. Chelsea gets her. She gets to do yoga. She gets to do whatever. Or we go to the Family Wellness Center together um, in Salt River here. And I'll take Aloe for that hour. And I'll just play with her in the gym, in the fitness center. And Chelsea gets her workout in. And vice versa. She does that for me as well. So, you know, I'm definitely encouraging her to stay well and do the things that makes her happy when she needs to work and write. I encourage that, you know, I never see that as like competition, you know, or even when when we do work together and people say we want Chelsea to do this, we want Chelsea to do that. And because we work as a couple, I don't ever get jealous and think, oh, they should have me too. And why don't why don't they want me? And how come they only want her? You know, I never do that. I empower and, and I, I'm so grateful that her presence is is needed and respected in our work, in our communities. And so and so that's something that that we always have to practice in our relationship, because when you're bringing up that other person, you're bringing up yourself, you're bringing up the relationship. And it's just the right thing to do to, to treat that person 
with the utmost respect. It's honor. It's it's sacred. Yes, and the thing that makes me really excited and happy about having that type of climate in our home is that this is what our daughter is going to grow up with. She's going to grow up seeing that this is how a man treats a woman, that this is a normal state for a relationship to be. And she is going to know and demand that for herself. And I love that because any parents of young daughters out there, from the time they're born, you start to think and worry about that. Oh my gosh, I hope she doesn't date some jerk someday. And fortunately, because she's going to have this good example of a healthy relationship and she's going to see her dad treating me the way that he does, she's going to know there are, you know, people and men out there who have been raised with these good teachings. And that's what she's going to expect out of her relationship. Another great characteristic is objectively working to break unhealthy lifestyle cycles, to break unhealthy habits, to break unhealthy relationships. Like that's something that's very important because many of us have been through unhealthy relationships and we've seen unhealthy relationships in our families and our communities. So one of the things that we can do, and especially in this era of our indigeneity where there's a huge healing movement, is you, that can be on your mind, that can be conscious on your mind is that you are objectively existing to break unhealthy cycles and create new healthy cycles and to make that the norm and to and to display and model what a healthy well individual is and what a healthy uh, relationship is so these are this is that's a, another great characteristic is to be conscious of promoting and being in engaging in a healthy relationship yeah. So just all over, you know, being supportive, being trusting and uh, being deserving of trust and uh, respect. I think respect is truly the foundation of everything. And if you know um, a lot about indigenous teachings, I know that respect is always at the foundation of our wellness and of our relationships. So again, rather than getting into a relationship with someone and the more you know them, the more you can just brush them aside and take for granted, oh yeah, they're just, that's just the wife. She's always going to be there. Rather than that, continuing to uphold that person to this high level of respect that the more you know each other, the more deeply connected you become over the years, the more you love and respect that person. Yeah, because you talked about, too, that in some cases that people that respect starts to degrade over time, which doesn't make any sense. And I've seen that a lot. And I've even actually fall into that where I just get comfortable with maybe answering, you know, in a, in a hasty manner, you know, or getting impatient. And so remembering and circling back that you entered in the relationship because you are respect that person because you want to honor that person. We have to maintain that. We have to maintain that. And if we find ourselves becoming short and that means we have stress, that means you need to deal with your own stress. You need to find a healthy way to deal with your stress. And and so these are these are also things that are just so important. It's continuing to evolve that respect. Yes. And then I think the other component of a healthy relationship is always having an open line of communication, being willing to talk, uh, being willing to sit down and have a discussion. And you don't need to ever raise your voice at somebody. You don't need to ever be in a home where you're yelling at each other. Um, 
And also having the maturity to have these conversations in person rather than um, sending each other a bunch of angry text messages or um, sarcasm, uh, continuing to evolve and listen to one another as well is really, really important. When you have that open line of communication and you can really sit down and talk like adults, then chances are you're going to be able to work through any issues that come your way. Yes, communication. Communication is major. It is so key to keeping the relationship healthy and functioning. And that's something that I'm really grateful for that we practice is healthy communication. And in the past, when we have felt offended by one another or hurt by one another or mis misunderstood, we bring it up. You know, we say like, love, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you said back there, that's like, you know, that wasn't fair or you shouldn't have said that in front of all those people. You know, we 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 like bring it up and we'll just say, you know, I, I don't really like what what you said back there. I mean, I don't like how you handled that back there. And other would be like, well, why? You know, and then they, then one of us will describe and the other will listen. Communication is so important. You have to be in and this takes healthy people. This takes healthy and well people because you have to be willing to listen and to hear constructive criticism. You have to have an open mind and an open heart. And you have to you have to have sympathy. You have to listen with the sympathetic mind and, 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 and heart to be able to relate to that person and put yourself in their shoes and say, yeah, I wouldn't really want to feel like that either, too. You know, and a lot of times this are, these are things that one of us uh, did on accident. We didn't realize like our comment had this, you know negative impact on on each other and it's it's never like done deliberately it's just kind of that's how you learn to to coexist in in harmony and balance with your partner in a good way is that you are constantly learning what it is that that hurts them <laughs> you know and so to keep the lines of communication open is very important in this regard always being willing to say i'm sorry too and to recognize like if you were the one that was a little bit in the wrong is really important but also to stand up for your principles if you really feel that you did act appropriately and you're kind of being called out for no reason um that's important too so it's just really this dialogue it's this ongoing thing and i'll tell you it is possible bash and i have never had a shouting match we've never you know cussed at each other or insulted each other in a mean and degrading way um, we've never walked out or stormed out on one another and I've never walked away from a conversation with Thosh where I could say he made me cry. And that's a big deal. Like, because again, I've been in the opposite where almost every time you have a conversation, you walk away and you want to cry, or you've just had these emotional breakdowns because the stress builds up over time and you just feel so hurt by the person. So it, it, I want to just say that to give people out there hope and perspective. Like it is possible to have a healthy relationship. Yes. And you kind of said something there that kind of made me think about another thing in regards to communication. When you are, res, res, when you are resolving a conflict or an issue, I think that a big component to that is respecting that person's own right to feel the way they felt as a result of your actions or your words and it's you respect it because that's them and that happened inside of their mind it happened outside of you you have no con you have no no control about how they how they process it so 
in times of when I have offended Chelsea and she's expressed it, I at first I would resist. And then after a while, I says, who am I to, to say whether this should hurt you or not? I have no right. I have no power in that. And so I had to pull back and say, okay, you know, I respect that, that this, this hurt you or this offended you. And I apologize. And in the future, I'm going to act differently so it doesn't negatively impact you. So also related to communication is healthy conflict resolution. And there's different degrees and levels of healthy conflict resolution. And we're gonna want, we want to talk about it in a context of a healthy relationship. But it's kind of, we kind of already mentioned some things, but for the most part, healthy conflict resolution is being able to sit down and communicate without yelling, communicating each other's feelings, communicating the thoughts, of the actions that the person had done. And it happens without interruption. You're allowing that person to completely express their thoughts and you don't interrupt at any time. And you're just listening, 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 listening. And then the opposite happens. You get your moment to, to answer for your actions or to, to respond or to, to share about what's on your mind. And you come to a conclusion where you come to an agreement. And you come to an agreeance about how you realize that what you did or said is had hurt that person in some way. And that you and then from there you agree that okay, I'm going to change my behavior, I'm going to change my actions from here on out because now I am sympathetic to you. I'm more sympathetic to your needs as you as a person, as a human being. And so from here on out, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And you have to remember that. And once you make peace and you forgive, okay, I forgive you for that. You have to remember that and move forward. And I'll give you an example of that conflict resolution. Um, early on in our relationship, uh, Thosh mentioned to me that he doesn't like sarcasm. And in my head, honestly, at first, I kind of was like, what? Because my sisters and I have this really sarcastic sense of humor with each other. So it's something that I was kind of like using often. And um, he, he, but he expressed to me that it, it feels disrespectful to him and that he has had, um, you know, sarcasm be a part of, ar of arguments and stuff like that with him in the past. And that it, it just wasn't a form of communication that worked for him. And so rather than just go, okay, whatever, like, you know, and just continue doing what I did, I really took that seriously. And I thought, I want to show respect to Thosh in the way that he sees it. And even though for me, it was just a way of joking around, I, I told myself to understand why it might not be that way for him. And so I don't use sarcasm with Thosh anymore and it's fine. Just, it's no big deal. <laughs> so of course, one of the great qualities of being in a healthy relationship that we should all do is that we should, we should be in ceremony together. We should support each other spiritually. We should sit down and do our giving of thanks, giving, doing our prayers together. Um, even for those of you that sing your songs, to sing together, to teach each other your your songs of prayer, your songs of social songs, and to and to encourage each other. Say if you come from different tribes, like Chelsea and I, we come from different tribes, but of course, a lot of our our tribes have very similar practices and customs. We should encourage one another to partake in that way. You know, Chelsea has things that she wants to partake. And in addition to that, you should want to partake as well. And um, as I said, Chels has her ways that she partakes in. 
She has their protocols in which they go certain directions or do certain things certain many times. And I just, I'll partake and I'll follow out of respect for her. I won't say, well, that's not the way the man does it. That's not the way our people do it. I don't say that. And this is very important for maintaining our indigeneity is respecting where each other's tribes are and respecting the different protocols and the customs and practices. Partaking with that in each other, supporting one another to go back home. Say if you are living with your partner away from your, your ancestral lands, supporting them to go back home, go back home to ceremony, go back home to these things. I'll go with you if you want to support and be a part of it as a family. So these are just very, very important things. We should support each other culturally at all times and never be jealous of one another and never inhibit one another of partaking in our gatherings. And to give another example of it, I really admire the marriage that my sister and her husband have. And she's native, of course, and he's Filipino. And um, one of their differences is in religion. You know, he goes to church every Sunday and um, my sister doesn't, um, you know, follow the same church. But, you know, they agree and they send their kids and 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 Liz supports them in that and recognizes that it's a it's a healthy family activity. And at the same time, you know, her husband doesn't shame her for not going. Um, they respect each other's differences in beliefs. And, um, you know, when when her husband joins our family for our cultural activities and whatnot, he really respect, they really just totally respect each other. And they're always talking about the similarities that they find between native culture and Filipino culture. And they're always connecting on um, the things that they do share and they'll learn, you know, each other's languages or they'll, uh, you know, go to powwows together and they'll also go travel to the Philippines together. So, Again, like when you can come together from most of us are coming from at least slightly different cultures. We're all, um, you know, whether we have several different tribes within us or we come from different reservations or we may come from totally different cultures and countries like it's possible to uh, really make that an enjoyable part of the relationship is learning from one another and. Uh, thriving on on finding those commonalities as opposed to emphasizing the differences and forcing the partner to go one way or the other. That's not going to work out. Yes. And so to sum up all of the components of a healthy relationship, it boils down to respect, love, care, honor, honesty, compassion. And these are done on a daily basis forever for the time, the total duration that you're in that relationship with that person. And so that's a little bit about the importance of, of healthy conflict resolution. Now, keep in mind that that what, what we have described is is works within the, the context of a healthy relationship. And um, oftentimes when the relationship is abusive, then there needs to be more in-depth procedures to, to resolve that conflict. So we want to just really quickly list the traits of an unhealthy relationship um, so that it, you can recognize that and know when um, perhaps you need to leave the situation or when some changes need to be made. And just to know that um, you don't have to accept certain behaviors from another person treating you this way. And to really take these signs seriously, because in an unhealthy relationship, people really get hurt. And again, your health can really be 
negatively impacted. So here are some of the signs. A big one is, is shaming, right? Shaming, um, blaming, blaming the other person for a lot of the the, the actions of the abuser, uh, belittling, being possessive, uh, one who threats different ways, one who is constantly yells, um, who breaks things, becomes angry very quickly, hurts the pets and other animals around. And, and of course, a big one is manipulating. A person who is very manipulating is one of the hallmarks of, of, of an abusive relationship or an abusive person. Um, also one who is competitive, one who's competitive, one who lies, um, has control of the social media. We talked about that a little bit. And even someone who forces you to use alcohol, to use drugs, one that constantly needs to know whereabouts. There's The list can go on and on. There's so much. And a lot of people are familiar with it. But there's a lot of people, surprisingly, that are not familiar with what an unhealthy relationship is. We see it all the time that people oftentimes don't realize they are in an unhealthy relationship that is beyond reconciliation. And so it's important to be able to recognize these traits in that. Another big one too is someone who wants to rush into a relationship, meaning that they wanna rush into marriage, they wanna rush into moving together, they wanna, they wanna push intimacy. Uh, these are all red flags of someone who is trying to get you to engage in an, a very unhealthy relationship. So one of the reasons that we are doing this podcast now, too, is that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And um, it's important for us to support our uh, family members, our community members, our sisters and brothers who are in unhealthy relationships and rather than shaming them and saying well what's wrong with you get out of that to recognize the way that these relationships play out that it's much more complicated than we can often realize and to just try to support through um, whatever the person needs support in and so a list of resources here that you can go to for a lot more information on this um, as we were researching for this podcast we found the hotline.org which is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And they have a whole website with a lot of um, really useful tips and resources. Uh, the Native Wellness Institute is the nonprofit organization that we work with. And um, they actually do healthy relationships trainings that are really relevant for our um, communities, for tribal communities. And then, of course, um, for any participants that join in those, they learn a lot about healthy relationships. So you can reach out to them. And then there's also the strongheartshelpline.org. So that's a website and a hotline for Native American specific uh, domestic violence related issues. You can call them at 1-844-7-NATIVE. So their number is 1-844-7-NATIVE. And if you call that hotline, you can speak to somebody who has experience um, uh, working through <clears throat> any of these domestic violence issues that you may be facing um, or that a loved one may be facing and you want to try to help them. Also, wearenative.com has some great resources and they kind of focus on teens, on native teens and youth and helping them to, to uh, get some resources about understanding what healthy relationships are. Um, and all that. So we are native.com. We'll link to all of these in the description of the podcast as well. And remember also that there is an ongoing issue in indigenous communities and it's called missing and murdered indigenous women. If you don't know anything about this, I really suggest you do your research because 
um, domestic violence um, and uh, other types of violence are pervasive against Native women. You know, one in three Native women in their lifetime will be sexually assaulted. And there are more stats that go with that that are just heartbreaking. And we have uh, many, many uh, women being taken advantage of and um, in vulnerable situations right now in our communities. And the politicians aren't doing as much about it as they should be. Uh, the system is working against us at this time. But there are so many people, women particularly, who are fighting against this and who are making changes so that some of these issues are being addressed. So again, we can't uh, finish off this podcast without addressing that um, everybody needs to be informed on this issue of missing and murdered indigenous women so that we can stop uh, the violence. And again, a big component of the phenomenon of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls is the root of it is unhealthy relationships in a lot of ways too. And this isn't just uh, the perpetrators are not just non-native. The perps are even in our own communities. So it's also important to remember that with unhealthy relationships, it's it's rooted in trauma. Trauma that the abuser has experienced at some point in their life that changes the brain chemistry. It has negative outcomes on the rest of that person's life and how they interact and how they behave. So a teaching that a lot of people share that helps people to understand uh, uh, an, an abuser in an unhealthy relationship is the, the the notion of hurt people hurt people. Now that's a big one. I think that's it's a very simple simple concept, but I think it's very powerful for a lot of people, especially people who are not yet trauma informed. Maybe they don't understand how trauma works and how it has these residual impacts that are lifelong lasting, if not taken care of and resolved early on. When we understand that hurt people hurt people, it gives us better insight into why that person did what they did to you. It's about understanding not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you to cause you to act this way. Because we know that humans are born with love. Humans are born with compassion, born with sympathy. We see that children display that all the time. Even children in traumatic situations display this. This teaches us, us humans are born with love. We're born to give love. That's how we were created. So when a person is out of balance and out of harmony, it's because of the trauma they experience in their life that has changed their brain, that has caused part of their spirit to move out of the way. So again, this doesn't give the person justification to say what they did is okay. It's giving you better insight and understanding as to why they are the way they are. And from there, you make the steps to step out of the unhealthy relationship or to remove yourself from being involved with that person in any sort of way, because you understand they need healing. They need healing and wellness. And I can't let that person hurt me and damage me because they're hurt. Why would I let a hurt person continue to put hurt on me? So it's it, these are also the first steps to, to forgiveness, forgiveness to being able to heal from the unhealthy relationship. So forgiveness is a big one. Forgiveness is, 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 is huge in healing and wellness. Remember that every person deserves wellness. And a part of that wellness is being in a healthy and supportive relationship or being healthy and supportive of yourself. So I want everybody to continue on their wellness journey with this understanding that you deserve wellness and healing just as much as the next person. And even if it's not something that you've already experienced in your life, it is something that you can attain.
a healthy relationship is a part of this interconnected wellness and healing journey that all of us are on all the time. And even if you already have a healthy relationship, continue to put effort into that and show gratitude and don't take that relationship for granted now or ever. And so for everybody out there listening to this, know that you can be in and you deserve a healthy relationship. So we hope you all enjoyed this episode and we'll be excited to hear your comments and your questions. So continue to share and uh, have this discussion on social media, on other platforms. We want to hear what you think. So thanks again for listening.